Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Friday, May twenty seventh, twenty twenty two, and it is indeed. As always, a heck of a morning here on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces. We are live, and then once we are no longer live, we will be uploaded shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. It is Friday. There's always something just a little more special about a Friday. And this is an interesting Friday because there's no UFC events. There's no Bellator events. No PFL events, but if you want to partake in some mixed martial arts viewing, you have options. There's Cage Warriors, KSW has a card this weekend as well. So there are avenues to find your mixed martial arts action, or you could just take a weekend off. You could just take a weekend off from it. Take some space, what have you. But either way, you're not wrong. No one's really wrong here. But thank you for joining us, especially so early in the morning. I know Fridays, a lot of people like to sleep in and do whatever if they don't have to work or do whatever. But this is a very special day for me personally. One, today's my kid's last day of school. And I just want to say, normally I'm very excited when he goes to school. It gives me some some space. He's a very active young man. He likes to make a lot of noise. He's very creative, likes to create videos and have fun things, but he's also very loud at times. So when he goes off to school, it's, it's nice. And then when he comes home, it's, it's great. But I have to tell you with everything going on right now in in the U S with, with, with the, the schools and all the, the horrors and all the tragedy and all that stuff, I am pretty friggin' relieved that today is the last day of school. So half day, he's done. 
gets to spend the summer with us. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. More importantly than that, as far as timing goes, it is my wife and I's 10th anniversary. How about that? 10 years ago, she walked down that aisle. The man who speaks every day for a living couldn't say a word. One of the most memorable moments of my life. We said I do. We, we're still doing the damn thing 10 years later, defying the odds. Taking those percentages and raising, the, raising them up a percentage point. So happy anniversary to my lovely bride, Holly. It is that kind of a day. Now, it is Friday, and what that means on this show is it is a free-for-all Friday, which means we're going to talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about the entire time. I'm getting off my soapbox. I've said the things I've needed to say. We have no topics. We have no nothing. We have no organization because I don't need to organize anything because you guys are going to do it because you guys are going to ask all the questions. You guys are going to bring the heat. You guys are going to bring the thoughts, and we're going to get after this thing. By the way, if you missed it, some breaking news. Patty Pimblett has his opponents for UFC London. He's fighting Jordan Levitt. Patty Pimblett, Jordan Levitt, UFC London. There you go. Interesting matchmaking. Interesting matchmaking. I'm kind of surprised by that one, but I don't know. We could talk about that if you want to, but that just happened. And there's couple other fights that that just got dropped we found out yaya rodriguez versus brian ortega is official for ufc long island that'll headline july 16th for the fans should be fun uh apparently caitlin chukagian versus man and fioro is all but done so that's good confirmed that yesterday so there's a lot going on it's kind of slow on the news front but we get some some cool fights going on let's get right after this thing Let's get the general manager for the New York Yankees, Brian Cashman, in here, a celebrity, to kick us off. Brian, how are you? Hey, yeah, is this Mike Felga? Mikey Felga. What's up, hey, man? Hey, Mike. Not since Tony Mads. <laughs> hey, Mike. Uh, I've been waiting to call, but I work. I can never get in. So I got a, I got a quick thing. Who do you think will be the first Dana White Contender Series champion, and how long until someone is a champion from that? First Dana White Contender Series champion, and how long until that happens? That's a great question. Let me just uh, let me just take a quick gander into into the world of the Contender Series. It's tough because there. I mean, there's a few options. I'm gonna go out on. A limb here. And it's really not that much of a limb. There's a couple that stand out to me that I think have very good chances. I mean, Sean O'Malley would probably be the popular name, but not the name I'm going to go with. I mean, I could be wrong. I just feel like even when Sean O'Malley gets to a title shot, it could be five years from now. Just because of the way he, he approaches his career. He's in no rush. He's only going to fight the fights that his contract kind of puts him in the position to fight. So I would say I would say the next person who, from the contender series who will fight for a title will be Marina Rodriguez. She will be next, and she might actually get it done. She might actually be the one. 
The other pick, I'm going with Jelton Almeida. Jelton Almeida is certainly on that list. Jamal Hill is another guy that I feel will fight for a title at some point. There's a few. There's a few. There's some who probably, actually most of them probably won't. I actually thought Jimmy Flick would have been a great pick before he retired. But I also understand why he retired. I think Jeff Molina, there's a chance he could fight for the 125-pound title at some point. Adrian Yanez, the potential on that kid. I mean, there's there's options. There's certainly there's certainly some interesting names that could that could get there. Jack Della Madeleine is really good. I think he's it's gonna take a little while to get there. But yeah, Marina Rodriguez, Jelton Almeida, those are one and two for me. Let's go to Tristan Gordet. Tristan, what's Heck up, buddy? Good morning to you, Mike. Mike, indeed. I want, you, I want to say congratulations on your tenth anniversary. Appreciate Thank it, you, friend. sir. This is this is awesome. May you have many more. Thank may, you. may you have many more years. Another. Let's go. Another clapping of yesterday on BTL, the first inaugural MMA All Stars. That was that was that was so good. It was so good. I loved it. I love. I love that. I think I watched. I listened to it three or four times. It was great. Touche on that. That was great. <laughs> that was awesome. I had so much fun of you guys having your picks. Who you guys selected? So um, I selected mine. I went different. I didn't pick anybody that you guys had. Um, I am. I am shocked that you didn't take Armin Sarukian as your first choice. But uh, let me let me go ahead and give you mine. So heavyweight, I have Curtis Blades. Uh, that knockout for against uh, Charles Kristoffis uh, was incredible. I mean, Blades did the dad thing. Uh, he looked great. I have light heavyweight. I have Paul Craig. Paul Craig, this first half with the armbar. So against his opponent, I picked him. Middleweight, I have Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. That was impressive. I know he fought a newcomer. I think it was named Jake Fromm. Uh, Josh Fromm. I'm sorry. Excuse me. I thought that's it. And you know what, Tristan? You know what, Tristan? I think that win is going to age really well. Yes. But continue. Yes. Well, to wait, I have, of course, Shavkat Rachmanov getting Carlson Harris. Back, you know, lightweight, I had to pick Armin Sarukin. I'm sorry. <laughs> Armin Sarukin just okay. demolishing, demolishing. Joel Alvarez, I mean, that man is going to be champion one day. I'm sorry. Featherweight, I love. And if he comes to the UFC, I think he's going to – if he ever comes to the UFC, I'm picking that man. I'm picking that man. And this is Aaron Pico. Had to do it. He was so impressed in his last fight. He did everything that – he looked flawless in there. It was unbelievable. Bantamweight, I went with Umar Nurmagomedov. Uh, you know, his win this year was, was great. I love this in performance. This is all going by performances here. At flyweight, uh, I had to go with Tatsura Tara. Very dominant win. You know, very tough win. Good win, too. And then at, I guess you guys combined it, woman featherweight and woman bantweight. I went with Stephanie Egger. She had a good win, submission win on her opponent. I think she fought at Jin Yu Fry. That was great. Women flyweight, I went with Alexa Grasso. Impressed with her win. I was shocked. At, you know, because she had a couple of finishes, but to come back, you know, 
get that win. That was great. And then Woman Straw, right? The only one I had, I guess, was Sam Hughes. She was like a different fighter in there. You know, tough year. So those are my picks. I want your thoughts on those and everything. And then another thing before we get off, shout out to Edvin Shabazian. Great article for Mimi Fighting. He did the deck thing. It was like it was time to move on. Time to go to a new team. No, just listen. I know Edmund, listen, Edmund Tavarian, sorry. He just, he's not getting it done. It is what it is. Edmund had to do it. So just your thoughts on that article and what Edmund had to say and switching teams. And hopefully, you know, this could do something for his career. So thanks, Mike. Have a heck of a morning. Thank you. Thank you, Tristan. Yes. Uh, if you jumped in and you heard him, Tristan, sort of listing things off there, uh, BTL, because of just all the open scoring talk and I mean, literally it's an entire week of open scoring talk and judging and just, I mean, it's literally all you heard anywhere you listen to things. We decided to mix things up because if we had didn't done a normal BTL, even on an off weekend for the major promotions, we would have been talking about open scoring. We would have been talking about if Holly Holm was robbed, we would have been talking about all that stuff and what, what needs to fix in judging. And you know what? We decided, screw it. We're taking a break from that. We're not going to do that. So we called a like a last-second audible, and we just did an MMA all-star selection, kind of like you would see you know, in the NFL with the Pro Bowl and, and some of the other major sports organizations. We decided to have some fun. We drafted our all-star teams. I like your picks, Tristan. Of course, Sarukian, not, not picking him hurt my soul. Because those who are in here who have been following you for a long time, no one on planet Earth, even, except for maybe like Sarukian's coaches, no one has been higher on Armand Sarukian than I have been. I have been saying for five or six years that this guy is going to be a UFC champion, and he's on his way. And I'm very excited, if you missed the news yesterday, Matush Gamrot versus Armand Sarukian is going to be the main event for that June 25th card at the Apex. Love that fight. I love everything about it. I saw some people come out there and say that I saw one person in particular who I like a lot, by the way, who said, who questioned and said, is this main event like the worst in terms of name value and drawing eyeballs to the product? And I could not, I mean, that, that was a hell no for me. Just Gamrot alone. Just what he produces from that area coming from KSW. I mean, so many people are going to watch that fight. So many people are going to watch that fight. And Sarukian's becoming a star as well. He's on his way. Very interesting cat, both those guys. That fight friggin' rules. I'm very excited that's five rounds. UFC makes the right decision. Those guys deserve that. 1,000%. Good on them. Good on them. I liked your roster overall, Tristan. And as far as Shabazzian goes, yeah, you got to... You got to switch things up. I don't know if, I don't know if it's the camp with Shabazian. I honestly think there are certain fighters who you throw them, you throw them to the wolves, and they'll eat and they'll just beat the shit out of the wolves. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Other times, you get a rapid rise. You have a few good performances, and then you get thrown into a really tough fight. And if a fight doesn't go your way, that could really mess with you. That could really mess with you. Because even with Shabazian, one loss is the Derek Brunson loss is bad. Then the next loss was kind of bad. 
but then we're going to three, and now we're just like, man, what, what do we do with this guy? The UFC has to be very careful with what they do with Edmund Shabazzian now. And whatever fight Ed, Edmund Shabazzian gets next, especially after that interview, you know, him changing camps and changing a lot of things, that is about as must-win as you can get. Edmund Shabazzian has to win his next fight. And he's not going to fight a bum either. He's not. He's going to fight a very tough 185-er. And he's got to win it. Or he's in big, big trouble. Let's get Dax in here. What's up, Dax? Hey, Mike. So, I got two questions for you. Um, first, why is Ramazan Amiv versus Jack Del Madalena on the main card of a pay-per-view next month? Uh, I, I'm, I've been so curious. I don't know if there's a, a relation to Singapore or something with that fight. I just, I don't, I don't know why it's on the main card. <laughs> I don't know. Um, second, uh, I believe it was Ariel. Somebody mentioned that there are going to be a lot more, uh, you know, UFC fighters going to bare knuckle. I don't know if you have any info or not, but. Uh, either way, what are some of the names you could see, or maybe is it going to be like veterans or you know contender series? Who, what kind of uh, familiar names could you see heading to bare knuckle? Thank you, Jax. Uh, the, the Jack Della Madalena Ramazan Amia fight being on the main card of a pay per view. I just think this is uh, this is a Dana White call. I think he was very impressed with what he saw from JDM on the contender series. And I think they're going to try to boost them up a little bit. I think they're going to try to build them up. And, you know, oftentimes when you set these main cards up, you want to try to, of course, the top three fights are absolutely ridiculous, but you want to set the table in a, in a good way. I don't know if that's, I have to look, let me just pull up the card real quick. I just want to make sure, because I would assume that fight would be opening the main card. I don't think that's one you're going to, you're going to have deep on the main card, but let's just take a gander. Let's just take a gander. UFC 275. Very excited for this card. Glover and Yuri, Valentina Shevchenko's back against Tyler Santos, Zhang Wei Li, Yoani on Jacek, Rogerio Bontarin, Menel Cape. Uh, I mean, they haven't, to be fair, they haven't actually, at least based on the UFC website, they have not actually set it up quite yet. I mean, they have, they have orders. So as it looks right now, Jack Della Madalena versus Ramazan Amiv is kind of on the main card, but I don't think it is officially yet. Let me see if the fight center has anything else. No fight center says it is. You're right. So that's going to open it up. I think they think Jack Della Madalena is just going to, run over Ramazan Amiv, which is, I mean, you're asking a lot. Ramazan Amiv is a tough dude. He's a tough out. It's a good test for, for Jack. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But yeah, what, I mean, trying to look at the rest of this card. I mean, Fialo, Jake Matthews, you can make a strong case that should be on the main card, or at least that should be the featured prelim. But, I mean, if, if you're looking at the card, I mean, outside of maybe Fialho and Matthews, I can't really – it's hard to find somebody that sticks out more 
You know what I mean? I mean, there's just there's fun fights here, but I mean, you're kind of just throwing darts at this point. That's maybe that's what they did. Maybe that's what they did. I don't know. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. All right, let's get Ivan in here. Chris, you're on deck, and then if we, uh, we'll go back to the GM of the Yanks. Ivan, what's up? He's got to unmute. Ivan, speak to me. Do you hear me? I got you, buddy. How you doing? Yeah, fine. How are you? I'm wonderful. What do we got? Uh, yeah, I'm just tuning in. I didn't uh, listen to you from the start, so uh, maybe it's best that I tune out, you know what I mean? Because I'm just uh, learning about this Twitter stuff. Uh, I installed it yesterday, and uh, by accident, I came here. <laughs> don't, don't, uh, don't take, don't take it for, uh, don't take me for bed. But uh, you know, I have nothing to say. But I keep listening to you. It's okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, that's that's great! Thank yeah, you. I, yeah, you know, have a nice, have a nice day, and uh, I I'm listening to you. Awesome, thank you, Ivan. Hey, a happy accident! You stumble upon MMA's morning show, and we appreciate you being here, Christopher. You are, you're in, you're up. What's up? How you doing, Mike? Good. How are yeah, you? Yeah, not bad, man. Um, first thing I want to say is obviously. Uh, happy anniversary and congratulations. Thank you. Um, so I've missed the last two episodes, which is probably a record for me. Um, I have two questions for you. The first one is, I don't know if anyone's asked this, so apologies if they have. Um, what are your thoughts on Michelle Pereira versus Wonderboy? Um, the reason I say that is it, it gives Wonderboy a chance to fight someone who isn't a grappler and obviously allows... Michelle Pereira to kind of continue this this path to stardom that he's on. Um, not that I think he can win a title or anything, but he's clearly has the potential to be a really exciting name at 170. Um, my second question is, do you think that Armin Sarukin and Gamrot being five rounds changes that fight in any way? Like how you originally thought it might go? Do you think that five rounds changes that at all? Great questions. To discuss the first question, uh, Michelle Pajeda versus Wonderboy, if you listen to the next one, that was my pick. I think that makes all the sense in the world. Like that fight. I think it makes sense for both guys. Pajeda is on the way up. Wonderboy's lost a couple in a row, kind of on the way down. So I love that fight. I think it makes all the sense in the world. We give Wonderboy a striker like he wants, and 
We get Pajeda the chance to step up. Because I feel at this point, Pajeda has earned the right to, to see how far he can go with this thing. There are a lot of people out there who have made very good livings just putting on fun fights and putting on fun performances. And Michelle Pajeda could certainly be one of those guys. But five wins in a row, the level of competition has been pretty strong. Beating Santiago Ponzinibbio is not easy to do. And he went out there and he did it. I scored it for Pajeda. I didn't think there's any robbery. There is no controversy, no nothing. Pajeda did more damage. He won the fight. No issue with that whatsoever. I thought he won the first two rounds. Third round, maybe can go to Ponzinibbio, but I had no issue with, with Pajeda winning that fight. So let's give this man a step up. I'm cool with that. Let's go. The only the other option I could possibly see the UFC going to, and this might not make people all that excited, although I would like to see it. I'm curious. It would not shock me in the slightest if the UFC tried to do Michelle Bahada versus Sean Brady. You got two guys who are probably in similar spots right now who are on good streaks, who are looking to move up the ladder. We're going to have a hard time finding fights, if we're being honest. A lot of these divisions have, have veteran fighters who are trying to hang on to their spot, and they want to fight guys that are either like immediately behind them or ahead of them to try to get to a title shot. And I feel like welterweight is that divi- is probably at the top of the conversation when it comes to that discussion. I feel like welterweight guys just do not want to fight backwards. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But Sean Brady was telling me, if you want to go back and listen to the podcast version of the show from yesterday, Sean Brady got a lot of crap for calling out Wonderboy. Just because, I don't know. I, I didn't really get it. I was kind of surprised to hear that because I thought it was it was a fine call out. That's that that's what you want to do. You're you're not in here to just fight. You're you're especially when you got like Sean Brady's fifteen and zero and undefeated in the UFC and you're in the top ten. Like, what are you? You're trying to call out guys who are in front of you, and Wonder Boy's just a guy that's in front of him. So, I I understand why people want to see Wonder Boy fight strikers and not grapplers. We all love Wonder Boy. I get it, but. You know, we're at the point right now where Wonderboy's lost is is losing fights. He's not even really competitive in these fights because yeah, and it sucks because that he's fighting wrestlers and stuff. But I mean at some point, like even if you fight even if he fights Michelle Beheda, Michelle Beheda would be crazy if he didn't try to take down Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in that type of a situation. He'd be nuts. Of course he's gonna try to take Wonderboy down. You have to. Why risk it? Work smart, not not hard. That's what it's all about. So even I think even if they booked the Pajada fight, there's a chance. I don't think Pajada is going to be fighting like Colby Covington in there. He's going to try to shoot for 35 takedowns. But if I'm Michelle and things get a little hairy on the feet, I'm going for takedowns for sure. All right, let's get Brian Cashman. He's got more on oh, his mind. What's oh, up, my God. I could be here all day with you, Mike. Uh so first off, I I just found out about that Patty Pimblet book and and uh, with with that, I mean, I think Jordan Levitt's really good, but I'm just thinking a lot of people criticize him, and I feel like if he beats Patty Pimblet, Patty's stock could drop drastically. And secondly, uh, with the I've been on your bandwagon with the Jan Blo- I mean, with the Glover Teixeira versus Yuri Prohaska. 
first round submission. Let's go, Let's baby. go. Let's go. <laughs> Congratulations, Mike. Uh, thanks, Brian. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, that that is an interesting booking. Patty Pimble, we were waiting to see who they were going to book him with. They book him with Jordan Levitt. I have to you know what? I'm curious for the uh, for the betting community. Let me see if we have odds for that, opening odds for that fight yet. Let's take a gander, because I'm curious how they're aligning this one. It uh, doesn't look like we have lines yet. I mean, we'd have to imagine that Patty's going to be the favorite. Let's see. I'm going through DraftKings. Bear with me. Bear with me. We will find it. These cards, like, as I'm going through these, these cards look freaking real good over these next few weeks. All right, no lines yet. But you have to imagine Patty will be the favorite. But Jordan Levitt's good. Real good. Real slick. Sneaky jujitsu. And Patty's obviously really good on the ground as well. Patty's going to be the bigger fighter. But Jordan's tough, man. This is kind of a weird matchup for me because I feel like I feel like the UFC has something with both of these guys. I feel like they have something with both of these guys. So it's kind of like a weird matchup to me, but again, you have to book Patty you have to book Patty the right way. You have to give him fights where and this is probably the smartest booking you can do because the not the big knock on Patty right now is that he gets hurt in every single fight. And if he gets put up there against a striker who smells blood and knows how to put fighters away, he's got to have a hard time. Jordan Levitt's not going to be a guy that's going to knock him out. It's it, I mean, Patty's got the advantage on the feet. Patty hits harder. Patty's the better striker. But when things get on the ground, it's going to be really interesting. So if Jordan Levitt can avoid any major significant striking exchanges here. He's got a chance to win this fight. I think Patty's probably going to be like a minus 200 favorite, if not more. But the way I would have booked Patty, because listen, people are going to crap on me if you're Patty fans, and I get it, whatever. I don't really care. But I just feel that I feel like Patty's just not going to be like a contender. He's not going to fight for a title. He might not even be ready at any point in his UFC run. This is not a Sean O'Malley situation. This is not a Conor McGregor situation. I think we we are all very aware of what we have with Patty. I think we uh, we're all very aware of this. And what they should do is they should just put this dude over. Just give him fights against... This should You, you treat Patty Pimblett like an episode of WWF Superstars. You put him up a, there against a guy. You Bellat you Bellator book Patty Pimblett. Patty Pimblett should never fight outside of London for the rest of his UFC career. He should fight in London. He should be on a main card or in a co-main event spot. And you put him against a guy who's like twenty-three and twelve, and that like in Patty's like a minus five hundred favorite against this guy. You book Patty to win and win impressively and get the crowd erupting. That's how you book him. This Jordan Levin fight, 
he could it's yeah i mean i i'm would probably pick patty to win that right now but it would not shock me in the slightest if jordan levitt beat him jordan's a, a slick slick guy and i think their jujitsu i like i think if we're talking about grappling i think we're talking about the just the jujitsu it might be a wash but patty's still really good on the feet we're not really good on the feet but he's fine but he's the he's the better striker at this equation that's for sure so yeah, I mean, good opportunity for Jordan Levitt. We'll see what happens. Let's get Raymond in here. Raymond, what's up? Hello. I was just wanting to expand on your Paddy situation. I've, I'm from the UK, and actually, actually, I think he's got a jaw. <laughs> I think he puts too much weight. You think he cuts yeah, too much I think weight? He puts too much weight, mate. Yeah. So, so do you think of? You think eventually he'll go to he'll go to one seventy? Eventually he will. Yeah. What do you think of this fight? What do you think of this matchup with Jordan Levitt? Oh, I mean it's a tough one for him, to be honest. Can you hear me? I'm outside at the moment. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I got you. Right? Yeah, it's good, man. I appreciate you, Raymond. Yeah, it's uh I mean we'll see what happens. I mean we we see the pictures. I know a lot of like a lot of them you see online are kind of kind of bullshit, kind of fake. Patty all blown up, looking like he's 385 pounds. But yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's so secret. He likes to eat his pizza and eat his junk food after fights, but he gets in there, he gets after it in these training camps. He cuts down and gets to 55 or 56 and goes out and fights and wins more than he loses. But we'll see. It is a tough matchup. Don't sleep on Jordan Levitt. He's real good and, Jordan's not going to let that London crowd affect him whatsoever. He's a very interesting guy. He'll eat that up. He'll find ways to use that to his advantage. So, interesting booking. I'm curious to see what the betting lines are going to look like when they open. Let's get Toke Girding Jensen in the room. What's up, buddy? Um, I'm just uh, taking a quick break from a uh, very uh, busy work day, but I wanted to, uh, to ask about squash matches. Because it, you just talked about, uh, yeah, you just talked about Patty. And do you think that because of the way that UFC only signs, well, not only, but they don't have enough, like, cannon fodder, if you will, to actually make squash matches, and that actually halts the evolution of some of the fighters? Um, because, you know, one example, uh, I think, is uh, Mark Casey. He had a really rough start in the UFC because he couldn't really, he didn't get matchups where he could actually excel. Uh, I think he has one now though uh, with Demir Hatsovich at UFC London. But it seems like UFC is not really made for squash matches, and I think that they should. Pro- it seems weird to ask them to expand their roster, but it seems like they don't really have the roster to actually build up the guys to be uh, to kind of develop in the UFC. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's an interesting point. I I don't I'm not going to say I disagree with you because I mean this is ba- it's not Bellator situation. Like Bellator, you can just grab regional guys, throw them in there, you don't have to sign them to contracts. They sell tickets, it's a win-win. It's good for everybody. They get an opportunity to fight on a bigger promotion, stuff like that. I still think that the UFC does book 
quote unquote squash matches, but they just hide them better. You know what I mean? They promote them in a way where it doesn't seem that way. Sean O'Malley is a perfect example of this. And sometimes when they book these quote unquote squash matches, it doesn't turn out that way. But oftentimes they do. Like, look at what they did with Jose, Sean O'Malley, Jose Alberto Quinones. We knew how, how that fight was going to go. He was just going to blow the doors off of it. And that's exactly what happened at UFC 248. Then they book him against Eddie Wineland. Now, Eddie's a, a veteran and he's had some great wins. He's got a, a rich history with some of his fights in WEC, etc. But I think we all kind of knew how that fight was going to go. Then they gave him a little step up with Marlon Vera. It is what it is. And then even Thomas Almeida at that point in his career where we would like early on in Thomas Almeida's career, we're not looking at Thomas Almeida as kind of a quote unquote squash match opponent, but Thomas has a name, but Thomas is getting beat. He's getting knocked out. And technically it kind of was a squash match. So the UFC just does a better, better job of hiding it. They take the pro wrestling model where, it's kind of a squash match, but they also use guys who have names who are on the decline to put over a young talent, which is what you should be doing in these types of situations. So, yeah, they don't do it all the time. But I think even to this point, Patty Pimblett's run has been kind of squash matchy. Not like we, we weren't picking. No one was really picking the opponents in his last it, it is two UFC fights. We we just weren't. So, but but still, the the UFC does a nice job of of sort of masking the fact that this is going to be a squash match. Like Kazula Vargas, we knew what was going to happen there. There weren't many people on the planet who thought Luigi Vendramini was going to beat Patty Pimblett. Although both guys did fine. Both guys went in there and they got Patty's attention with some hard shots. And there you go. But they're not, they're kind of squashy, but they do a better job of hiding them. Like Patty's still gigantic favorites. And the betting community was well aware of that. Like Luigi, he should have been a better favorite. There's some great value on the Luigi fight. But Rodrigo, is a, he was a freaking almost a seven to one. He was a minus 650 favorite in that fight. So we all knew the writing was on the wall there. And they're doing, and now they're giving him a slight step up. They're smart. Like, Levitt could beat Patty. There's, I mean, there's a, there's a chance that happens, but it's not like Patty's going to go out get there and get knocked out. If there's a submission, Patty could say, "Oh, I just made a mistake. He, I slipped on a banana peel. It is what it is." But if he goes out there and gets viciously KO'd, that's a different story. And Jordan Levitt's probably not going to go out there and viciously KO Patty Pimplet. There's a chance he could win a decision. There's a chance he could submit him, but he's uh, he's going to be. By the way, it doesn't really you don't he doesn't look it, but Levitt's a pretty Levitt's a pretty big guy. He cuts a good amount of weight to get to 155. He doesn't like look it on television, but he cuts a lot of weight. So he's a he's a he's a decent sized 55 or two. This is an interesting fight. All right, didn't get him in, didn't get him in there yesterday, but I hid. Let's go. Uh, yeah, like I saw the Paddy Pimlet news. Um, I, I don't know what to think of that. Like, I'm just sort of it, like I was ranting about fight pay like a bit before, and then now I'm like, I've sort of changed my stance a little bit on fight pay. 
I'm gonna fool Michael Chandler, but I was thinking about I was like, oh, Paddy's being paid the same um, as Connor two fights in, which sounds pretty bad. But something I was like, what's changed? And then what I realized also changed is the roster is gigantic. Like you're an MMA journalist, but, and I'm sure you know. Like I mean, you actually interview people who like uh, who are lesser names and stuff, which is good. But I'm sure even you might not know everyone on that bloody roster. There's people like uh, I, I I watch fire like who the hell is this? And there's people who are taking up space. Like I, I genuinely believe it. So I, I feel with Paddy, like Terence McKinney has a point. Like that, this is not. Like, as in, it would have been nice to have, like, an undefeated uh, Zeta, and it's just, like, the O, and Terrence McKinney was, like, uh, pissed off. Like, Terrence had, what was it Terrence have? Terrence went straight for Frivola, then he had Fares, who who is good. Uh, He didn't deserve to get released. Then he had Drew Dober. Um, I think he's got some no-name now, but, like, that's purely because I'm assuming people just didn't want to fight him. Um, yeah, a little bit of a under like a disappointment. I I just feel that you know Paddy is like very overrated at this point. Um, I I do feel you know you're just giving like the two guys he beat are released that they're not part of the UFC roster. It's ridiculous. And Mike, I got like a little idea. I know you had your Hamza Chimaev and Leon fight. I've got a bantamweight. Uh, bracket, all right, and this is my copyright thing. So here we go. Like, I'm obviously we've already got O'Malley and Munoz. We've got um, da, 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 da. Uh, we've got. I think it should have been O'Malley and Yanez to be honest. But anyway, uh, we should do. This is what we do. Corey Sanhagen, Song Yadong. Okay, that's fireworks. They're both gonna try and kill each other. Five rounds. Like you, that's what you do. Then you do Jose Aldo and Dominic Cruz, WEC nostalgia, easy to make. I saw Marlon Vera call out Piotr Jan. No, that's not the fight. You do Piotr Jan and Merab de Valishvili because like the former teammate and like the beef and whatever with uh, Aljo, that's the fight. Then this is what you do. Marlon Vera versus TJ Dillashaw. Okay, because here's the thing, right? Like Marlon is so admirable. He's got that immigrant mentality. He he clawed for everything. He fought hard for everything. There's a reason he started crying after the fight, man. He fought hard. He's been a hard worker. He's been here really putting in the work. So what a better way to put someone like that, someone who moved to the US for a better life and struggled through everything against an arrogant, entitled TJ Dillashaw, a cheater in TJ Dillashaw. Like, that's the fight. Like, as in... Because TJ, Dominic Cruz was saying on Ariel's show, like, oh, you know, like, how can he get a title shot? I agree. Listen, the pros are that TJ was amazing before, like, the whole steroid incident. And I don't know if that's the first time he used it or if he's used it before, but TJ looked amazing. And if he looked amazing against Corey, yeah, give him a title shot. But this is the thing. TJ, during fight week against Corey, looked like a drug addict who came out of rehab. He actually looks so bad and like he is a drug addict. He's a drug addict to EPO and he's coming out of rehab. So, I mean, he looks wary and torn. So we need to still see him, like see if he can 
contend with like someone who's at the highest level. And Marlon is um, Marlon's. Yeah, we need to see. We need to give Marlon a big name. He deserves it. Um, and also, like I want to see Henry against Aljo because like I think that's a much more competitive fight. Um, with Henry's wrestling, Henry's got better striking. Uh, I pick Henry to pick that uh, to win that fight and to move up, and in which case you make an interim title with the ones left over. Um, but yeah, like that's what you do. And I wish I was here. So that's my idea. Like that's my copyrighted copyrighted idea. You tell people it came from Ahed, not what anyone else, and no one's stealing my bracket. And I wish Sean Brady was here because I would have grilled the shit out of him. Like crying about how Wonder Boy didn't want to fight him, but when Shavka Rachmanov was calling for a fight, I had crickets from him. Crickets. So uh, whatever. Typical. He was hurt. Sorry. He was hurt. He was injured. He was he was recovering from no surgery. He wasn't fighting anybody. And then by the time he was ready and cleared, Rachmanov was already booked to fight Neil Magny. So it's not like Sean Brady's going to come out and call it a guy who's already booked to fight. But then why call out one? Why like tweet again? Tweet to Wonder Boy when he was already when he wants to break against Dustin Poirier. I mean, why not? It's the Wonder Boy doesn't have a fight booked. Sean Brady doesn't have a fight booked. He's cleared. Brady wants to move up. He's, they're both top 10 guys. I didn't have a huge issue with the call. It's not like you said, Wonder Boy, you're a piece of shit. Let's fight. It was just a very respectful call out from a guy who's up ahead of him. And I get it. Like, we don't want to see Wonder Boy fight another grappler. I get that aspect of it. But, you know, the, the name of the game is you fight the bigger name for the most amount of money in that you have the advantage to win. I mean, that's, that's prize fighting. I don't have an issue with the call out. I don't, um, it's probably not going to happen, but I don't have an issue. What if wonder boy is like, yeah, dude, let's go. You take your shot. You, you miss a hundred percent of the shots. You don't take ahead. You should know that. It's just that like, but there was tweets before whilst uh, apparently Sean was injured, like where it was just like Dustin calls out. So Wonderboy calls out Dustin and then Sean's a bit sarcastic. Like, oh, you could just fight people in your own division. I was like, uh, he's done that for, he's the one that's provided the most opportunities to people behind him. You know, there's tons of other people and it's, it's very clear. It's just one person that is a stylistic, like favorable stylistic matchup, if you know what I mean. And if he was injured during that time, it's like, you know, like you're onto it, you're still injured, you're not clear to fight. And, but you're targeting one person for such a sustained period of time. You know what I mean? Like, doesn't it not feel a bit like hold up, you know, like, a bit weird? Like, yeah, I mean, I love you, Ahid. You bring you bring energy. You bring it. You you bring vigor to this to this conversation. Uh, you're the man. Yeah, I don't have an issue with Brady calling out Wonder Boy. Best fight for him right now. Probably the. I'm not saying easiest, but it's the most winnable fight of guys who are ranked ahead of him based on the styles. So that's I mean that's prize fighting. That's what you do. You take the most winnable fights for the most amount of money with the biggest names possible. And that's checks off all the boxes for Sean Brady. But at this point he knows, I mean, there's, there's very, there's very high reward a very low reward, excuse me, to fight a guy like Sean Brady right now. It's just that there isn't a lot of reward there. Kind of like Marab. There's not a lot of reward to fight Marab. And by the way, on to the next one after, 
UFC 273, I picked Barab versus Piotr Jan. And I disagree with you on the Sterling Henry fight. I disagree with you on that. What kind of precedent does that set when a guy who the UFC was trying to put the promotional machine behind to try to build him up, puts him on the card that were, were saving sports in their eyes, putting him in a, in a spot against Dominic Cruz, which was a very winnable fight for him. No disrespect to Dominic Cruz. And then he just ups and leaves and just says, you're not paying me enough. I, I quit. I'm out of here. I've retired. And nobody knew about this. And Dana White, five hours later, said, okay, he's gone. Now we're going to put Piotr Jan in the title fight. So then he just leaves for a couple of years and then just comes back and gets a title shot? What kind of precedent does that set? For a guy who is very accomplished as an athlete, but not a draw, not a star, and he just ups and leaves and screws you over, which that's what he tried to do, tried to screw him over, is one of the biggest missteps in the history of combat sports. Just a guy not reading the room at all leaves and then comes back two years later when, by the way, and I have so much respect for Henry Cejudo as a competitor. Nobody was clamoring for this. Nobody was not, was asking for this. And we're just going to reward him with a title fight. Come on. I hate that idea. I hate that idea. Is it a fight that like how many more pay-per-views does Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cejudo do over Aljamain Sterling versus Jose Aldo. You can make a strong case that Aljamain Sterling versus Jose Aldo and Aljamain Sterling versus T.J. Dillashaw does better on pay-per-view than the Cejudo fight. Or it's, if it is Cejudo, it ain't going to be by much. All right? It's not... This is not apples and oranges. It's apples and apples, if we're, if we're being honest. That's it. I mean... Here's what I've been saying about Henry Cejudo, and they probably won't do this. And if I'm Henry, I wouldn't probably do it either. But if you want to get, not that he cares, but people who are not with this comeback and people who, because I don't care that he's coming back. I don't care. Until he actually gets in there and fights and does something, I don't care. I don't believe it until I see it. He could take a thousand piss tests for USADA, and it doesn't change my mind until he actually gets in there and competes. And if we're, the test for me is if he takes a fight before a title shot. You go in there and you fight Piotr Jan, or you go in there, hell, you go in there and you fight Marlon Vera. Henry Cejudo versus Marlon Vera. We want to give Marlon Vera a big name. He's my all-star selection for from BTL. This guy's had an incredible run. What a performance against Rob Font. You want to, you want to get people on your side? That's how you do it. Get a fight before that. Anybody. Anybody in the top 10. But if you go out there and you fight Piotr Jan or you fight Marlon Vera, hell, you could fight Rob Font or Corey Sanhagen, guys on two fight losing streaks. Fine with me. Just fight one of those guys and then go fight for the belts. I will not argue that at all. You will have to do nothing else. Just go in there, fight somebody tough, get a win. Then I will I will come on the show because people think I hate Henry Cejudo. I don't. 
he's just not who he like. He's just not as big of a star as like he thinks he is. He just isn't. He just isn't, and he screwed over the company. He left them high and dry. And you know how the UFC reacted? They didn't give a shit. They moved on that same night. They're like, okay, he's gone. Now we're going to give Piotr Jan a title shot against somebody else. And they booked it against Jose Aldo. I mean, they did not care. I just don't, like, it's hilarious that he just feels like he can just jump right into a title fight. And his team thinks he can just jump right into a title fight. DC does this interview at Cejudo's house with Cejudo and Aljamain Sterling. You know know how much of that interview I watched? Zero seconds. And it was probably a newsworthy interview. I watched zero seconds of that interview. I could care less. Until Henry Cejudo steps in that cage and throws a punch. I'm not interested. I'm not interested. But you wanna you wanna you wanna turn this thing around? Go fight Marlon Vera. Go fight Piotr Jan. You will never hear a I will have so much respect for that man. I respect everything he has accomplished in combat sports. He's tremendous. Gold medalist, two division UFC champion, great wins, great resume, but you screwed over the company and the company didn't care at all that you screwed him over. They were just like, okay, we're moving on. And Dana has not welcomed the Cejudo comeback at all. Have you noticed that? Like, what has the UFC done to promote this comeback? The answer is nothing. The answer is nothing. So I'm going to be curious to see what the UFC does with this because I would be stunned. I would be stunned if they throw him into a title fight right away. And if they throw him a Marlon Vera or a Piotr Jan, what's he going to do? Is he going to say, no, I'm not fighting unless it's for the title? And then he just doesn't fight? Because I honestly, like, it's not like Bantamweight's hurting for contenders right now. They don't need him right now. They don't. Jan's still there. TJ, you got Aldo. You got Vera. You still got guys like Sanhagen. Now you got Marab. Dominic Cruz has won two in a row. You got guys like Songy Dong. You got Sean O'Malley. You got Ricky Simone. You got Jack Shore. All these guys are on big winning streaks. You got Umar Namagomedov. You have all these guys just waiting for their opportunity to climb the division. They don't need Henry Cejudo. They don't need him. Now, if Cejudo fights Marlon or fights Jan and wins, we got something here. But throwing him into a title fight is just dumb, in my opinion. It's just a horrible precedent. And it just says that, hey, you, even though you're not a star, but you're holding our title in one of our deepest divisions, you could just leave come back two years later and then just fight for the belt again. No, it shouldn't work that way. At least in my opinion. All right, let's get VD in here. VD, are you there? Do we have you? I'm not getting anything. Try again, VD. Looks like there's a connection issue. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. 
Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Let's get Keith in here. Keith, what's up, man? Hey, Mike, how's it going? Good, how are you? Keith from Dublin here. Great to, great to talk to you. Um, you as yeah, well? Good, good. Just I uh, wanted to uh, briefly, there's obviously a lot of talk in the last couple of months about, about Nate and his uh, status, and a lot of people, you know, rightly, I suppose, in, in a way, um, you know, getting on the US, UFC's case for, you know, you know, keeping him on ice. But, and I know we all know their contracts have those, you know, that offer them two or three fights a year to keep them under contract. And I assume if they have one fight left, that's still the same way it works. And so therefore, I assume this year they will have had to offer him a couple of dates or fights so far. And if he's kind of so, so wants to get out, um, I'm wondering, is it not a case for him not having accepted a date or has he turned down dates that we don't know about? Um, and therefore has a has a way out. Does he not have a way out two or three times a year that he can just get in, fight whoever he... I'm sure he doesn't care who he fights in a way. If he wants to get out that bad, does he not just take a fight and get out? Or is there another reason he's not taking certain fights because maybe he doesn't want to get out as much as he says he does? What do you think? Uh, thank you, Keith. I appreciate that. Uh... Sorry, there's something going on. Um, yeah, I just confirmed. There are a couple of stories coming out about this Jake Paul card on August 13th. And one of the things that I, ju- I mean, I literally just confirmed it, which is why I got a little pause of the action. Uh, and it's apropos that the Celtics are on their way to going to the NBA Finals. One of their former one-time champs, Glenn Big Baby Davis, is apparently going to box on this August 13th Jake Paul card. So, there you go. How about that for a crazy, weird thing? Opponent TBD, but it's happening. As far as Nate goes, I mean, Dominic Cruz kind of talked about it on the MMA Hour where they could just offer him fights and then they can extend his deal if he says no. And Dominic does, Dominic said, like, listen, I don't turn down opponents. I turn down dates. If you want to be trying to – and Joe Lozon has said the same thing. For Joe Lowe's on the fight, he's got to like the opponent, he's got to like the date, and he's got to like the location. Those are things he needs. He's got to get excited. He's got to have time to repair, and he's got to just like where it is. Wants to make sure that the taxes don't crush him or anything like that. Like, and, and that's the thing with Dominic. Like, if you're gonna, if you want to book me for a fight in three weeks, it's probably not going to happen. Need time to repair. So for him, it's like July, August against anybody is fine with Nate. It's just weird because Dana said like on, on multiple occasions, things to the effect of if you don't want to fight, just don't fight when Nate clearly wants to fight. And two, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. Both of those things. He wants both of them. He doesn't want to be there and he wants to fight. And here's like here's another thing. It's not like the UFC is just it's this isn't the UFC of 10 years ago. This is a UFC that is making guaranteed money from ESPN. Like boatloads of guaranteed money. All they have to do is just put on events. They just have to put on 42 events. They put on the pay-per-views, they do whatever. 
all that other stuff, the ancillary, the contender series, ultimate fighter, that's all bonus. That's not like, that's just bonus stuff. They're getting all this money no matter what. No matter what. It doesn't matter who they put out there. They're getting all this money. Now, of course, you want to sell pay-per-views. I get that. You get a piece of that puzzle as well. But the UFC has gotten so big that the brand itself is so valuable that half the time it doesn't matter who's on the card. Like, just give me a good main event. Give me another intriguing fight, and people are going to buy it for the most part. I know it's expensive to be an MMA fan, 75 bucks, but most people are going to find a way to consume the product. They're just going to. With Nate, it's not like Nate's fighting for titles. It's not like Nate's taking up a – I mean, it's not like Nate's holding up roster spots. It's not like Nate is fighting every three months. Like, Nate is a guy that fights maybe once a year if you're lucky, maybe once every two years, just depending on what his mood's like. And Nate's a star. Sure, he's a draw. Yes, you want to do the Connor fight. I get it. But losing Nate isn't going to hurt your bottom line. It just isn't. You might lose out on one payday if you don't get the trilogy fight with Connor on the books because I think everyone's well aware of what's going to happen. If Nate, let's just say, and by the way, I know a lot of people are like, there's no way Nate would fight Hamza Shemaev. I guarantee you he would. If the UFC offered him Hamza Shemaev for like friggin' August 20th or something, He's taking that. Guaranteed he's taking it. Just so we can get out of there. He just wants to get out of there. What's he going to do? He's going to go box Jake Paul. He'll get a payday with Jake Paul. What the UFC is probably concerned about more than anything is that because Connor doesn't have a lot left on his deal either. I think he's got maybe two fights left. Maybe three. So Connor's just going to want to whip through those fights. He leaves. He goes and does his thing. We get Nate Connor and they get they do it on their own. They promote it themselves. Does huge business. You can do multiple fights. You can do an MMA fight. You can do a boxing match. You can do whatever you want. You can do a freaking grappling match if you want, and people are going to spend money on it. And that's probably the UFC's concern. They don't want to miss out on that other payday. They don't want to lose two of those guys. I get it. But you, they just won't fight. Like He just won't fight. What they should do is you're running out of options here. And I, I mentioned Shemaya, but I truly believe that the idea I had in November is the right thing to do, which is Hamza Shemaya versus Leon Edwards for the freaking interim welterweight title. And then the winner fights an injured Kamaru Usman. That's what you should have done the whole time. August 20th, I think the front runner is Salt Lake City, Utah, which is kind of, it's, it's not done, but that's, the direction they're heading. I mean, what are you going to do? What other title fights can you put on? Everyone's pretty much booked at this point. Almost every title is already up. It's coming up in the next couple of months. We're booking all these cards with multiple title fights on it. Just do Nate versus Dustin Poirier in the main event of that August 20th card. Just do it. What's the problem? Just book that fight. Nate rides off into the sunset. Dustin gets his big fight. You make him happy. A guy who has become a star for you as well. He's become a draw in his own right. Just book that fight. Just get it done. Everyone parts ways. UFC still makes a floppity pajillion dollars because of the ESPN deal. Doesn't hurt anybody. Just book it. Let's call it a day. Give him five rounds. Main event spot. Boom. See ya. 
Take a couple more. Four Corner Sports. What's up? Yes, sir. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the – I don't know if you guys spoke up, spoke about it earlier, about the main event between uh, Jair and um, Ortega. Now, who has the most to lose out of this? And, you know, who's in it – you know, uh, who's going to be wanting, you know, who to win on July 2nd between Volkanovski and Holloway. And by the way, I tried watching Tough, and you're right, it sucks. It's really hard. <laughs> it, it really sucks. I wanted to watch it because I, I know a few fighters there. You know, I've, I watched Hannah Die fight. I've seen what's it called. I know Usman's brother um, is fighting on the thing. I watched maybe like 30 minutes of it. I'm like, this is enough. I was like, I tried watching last season, so I was like, I had to skip through it. And I'm like, this thing sucks. But um, also, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Patty Pimblett versus uh, Jordan Level. I can never pronounce his last name. Levelette, I think his name is. Levelette, there you go. Um, you know, that, that type of matchmaking, I, I don't know. I think that's, an, like you said before, in previous uh, shows, I think it's best to always put Patty um, over in the, in the O2 arena. But... Who do you think wins in that outcome? I think, I, I don't know. I feel like Jordan Lovett, you know, might bring some um, some challenges for, for Patty. But, yeah, I want to get your thoughts on that. And also, um, will you be attending, uh, what's it called, UFC Long Island, since it's not that far from uh, where your residence is at? Thank you, Four Quarter Sports. Uh, lots to unpack there. UFC Long Island, July 16th. I don't know. Um I mean, I am on the East Coast. I'm not in Massachusetts anymore. I'm in South Carolina now. It's still not terribly far. Uh, if if I am asked to go cover that card, I will certainly go cover that card. But we do have some people in New York, so uh, we might go a different direction. I don't know. Uh, I am hoping to cover UFC 276. That's the one I really want to cover. That's going to be a very big deal. I, I've never been to Las Vegas, so I'd love to cover that. As far as the, the main event goes, great fight. Yair Rodriguez versus Brian Ortega. I have to say, while both those guys are exciting names, I don't think either of them really need to worry about the July 2nd fight, at least right now. Because, especially if Holloway wins. If Holloway wins, we're doing this damn thing again. But if Volkanovski wins, I think the winner of Calvin Cater versus Josh Emmett will probably get the next title shot. I think the way Cater has come back and that, that performance against Giga Chikadze, I don't think he gets enough credit for that performance. I think at the end of the year, I mean, especially if he beats Josh Emmett, he is the runaway for comeback fighter of the year, beyond the shadow of a doubt. And then Josh Emmett's on this great run as well. I think the winner of that fight, they're going to be fighting in Austin. They're the first ones up. I think there's a very good chance that the winner of that fight would get the winner of the July 2nd fight because it's just, just kind of right there. But who needs it more? I have to. I have to think it's Brian Ortega because he just fought for the title. It, I mean, he had his moment. That third round was insane, and he almost got Alex out of there. But for the most part, Alex, Alex beat him. I mean, Alex just won four rounds. It's pretty dominant performance. Outside of like that, maybe eight ninety seconds, which is an insane ninety seconds. Alex won pretty much every other second of that fight. So Brian's going to need a win here. And need a bad and Yair just Yair's just one of those guys where he could lose like two or three in a row, but then just come out and have a fun fight. And people are like, all right, maybe this guy could fight for the title. So I think Yair is one of those guys that can just always find himself in the discussion. 
I don't know if Brian Ortega can always find himself in the discussion. But we'll see what happens. Like the fight. It's a good card. I, I feel like doing that fight in Long Island is kind of weird. That has like a Texas fight written all over it or an Arizona fight or a California fight written all over it. But, hey, I'm sure Brian Ortega and Yaya Rodriguez have been dreaming about traveling to the wonderful Long Island, New York area. Joey T., you're up. How's it going, Mike? Good. So, since you just brought up the Volkov and Holloway, let's say for a scenario, Volkov went straight up again, third time. What do you think that means for, like, overall Max legacy? Do you think he maybe stays at 145? Or since, you know, I'm not saying he's old by any means because he's not really old. Do you think maybe he decides just to go up and see how he can try to compete with the upper tier of 155? And just to get back to the uh, Chimaev and maybe Edwards, I'll be fine with that. I would honestly think that matchup would be key for, you know, let Kamara heal and maybe towards the end of the year, maybe get a title shot or beginning of 2023, maybe on a January, February card. Um, but I want to get your opinion real quick about what Kamara said about the overall title picture where he said, if anybody should really want to fight me, they should actually go through the gatekeeper of uh, Kobe Covington. Yeah, I, listen, Colby, Colby's the second best welterweight in the world. And Colby's probably the champion in most other times in this division. Usman just is a little bit better than him, just slightly. Both those fights are super close and super competitive. You, There are people who I – mean, there are people still today who tell me they felt Colby won the second fight. I'm not one of those people. I thought Usman just snuck it out, but – the momentum was clearly shifting in the Covington favor. And if Covington just started off a little bit stronger, I mean, just a tad stronger, he's probably the champion right now. But he didn't start off strong. Usman got him a couple times early. But then Colby, once he got aggressive and once he kind of got in Usman's face, he pieced him up a little bit. He had he had Usman, uh, he had Usman questioning things at certain points in that fight. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I get where he's coming from. I think there's a very good chance we see those guys fight again at some point. I don't know when, because this whole thing with Mazadal could be a while before we see Colby back in there. Um, yeah. I don't know. A lot going on. I love the Usman Shemaev. I mean, not the Usman. Uh, I love the Shemaev Edwards idea. I've loved this idea since November. And as Ahid will tell you, no one on earth should ever take credit for this fight because I was the one who picked this fight from the beginning. On to the next one. Matches to make after UFC 268. This is my pick. Before Kamara Usman fights again, interim title, those two guys. Let Usman take time off. Active champion, most active champion in the company. And then whoever wins that fight, the fight with Usman becomes much bigger. Because if they book... It's Usman Edwards right now. That seems to be the direction everybody wants. But is anyone like clamoring? Is everyone is anyone like super excited for that fight? Is this the one? No, it's just I mean it's there. Like Edwards has done enough, and it'd be cool to get him see him get his title shot. But can you imagine if if Leon Edwards beats Hamza Chamayev and then fights Kamar Usman in a unification bout? That's a massive fight. That that'd be the most. I mean, that'd be the most highly anticipated Leon Edwards fight ever, and it wouldn't be close. 
It would not even be close. Yeah. Interesting times, my friends. Interesting times. I forgot your first question. I'm sorry. Ryan Fairstein, what's up? What's going on, Mike? Uh, Since we're on the topic of Volkanovski, do you think the lack of, I guess, popularity or the people jumping on the bandwagon late is due to the fact they put him up against a lot of fan favorites? If you look at it, the two fights against Max, probably the most popular fighter in recent years, Zombie, very popular, and also Ortega. What's your opinion? Uh, thank you, Brian. Okay, now thank you for reminding me. Now I figured out uh, the other question, Joey T's question. Uh, what happens if Max loses to Volkanovski? The fight I've been clamoring for, one of my other on to the next one picks, is probably the silver medalist outside of of Edward Shabaya for an interim title. I want to see Max Holloway versus Justin Gaethje. That's the fight I want to see. Do it at 155. Both of them are, like, because if Max loses, I don't need to see him cut to 145 anymore. He's just, I just want to see him in fun fights that get him excited and get him motivated. The fight with Yair is, was so good. Tremendous fight. And those are the kind of fights I want to see Max in. Just fun fights against exciting fighters. Max Holloway versus Justin Gaethje is just one of my dream fights. I just want to see it happen. It would be ridiculous. And I think everybody would enjoy it very much. So that would be kind of the direction I would head. You know, that's probably it. Like, I, I mean, at that point, if he loses to to Volk, I mean, I don't know. Just go up to one fifty five. Don't cut as much weight and still get some really good challenges. That's what he wants. He wants the challenge more than anything. As far as Volkanovski goes, I mean, Volkanovski. I was on the Volkanovski train real quick. I interviewed Volkanovski before his first UFC fight for the first time. And then I interviewed him probably like after his next three or four wins against guys that a lot of people didn't really know about. And as he got bigger, getting the Volkanovsky interview got a little bit more difficult. All the bigger names jumped on board. And I get it. I completely get that. But I think the thing with Volkanovsky was the thing he always kept telling me from day one is that I'm going to be me. I'm not going to come out and talk a bunch of trash and say horrible things about my opponents. I'm going to be the nice guy in the UFC. I'm going to be the guy who didn't talk shit and got a title shot and won the championship without having to do that. Now there has Volkanovsky maybe gone outside of that a time or two. Yes. The Max Holloway tweet, which he's already referenced and already felt really terrible about and, you know, misread the situation he admits that he was wrong there. But for the most part, Volkanovsky is just, you know, I'm going to go in there and fight and I'm going to win and do my best. It's, it's typical sports stuff. But now Volkanovsky is starting to get a little more swagger. I think he understands how good he really is. But he's still not like a significant trash talker. He's just a confident guy. He's not talking about people's families and religions. He's not going outside of himself. He's just being a confident champion. And this guy might be the best fighter on planet Earth right now. He very he might be. He is so good. He's so good. And he's so good everywhere. He's a tough out for anybody. That's why, like, 
I think there's a chance he fights for the 155 pound title in the next year. I think there's a very good chance that happens. Because if he beats Max and then maybe he fights the Cater Emmett winner, I mean, what else is there at 145 for him? Really? Go up, try to challenge for that second title. Like, Volkanovski Oliveira is a super interesting fight in my eyes. That's a really interesting fight. I would favor Oliveira. He's the, clearly the bigger guy and all that stuff. But skill set wise, Volk's real good. Volk can stand with Oliveira. Volk can do a lot with him. He can mix things up, the leg kicks. He can wrestle a little bit, mix things up, get him thinking. He's great at changing his game plan and making adjustments while the fight is happening. It'd be a really interesting fight. But Volkanovsky is a walk-before-we-run kind of a guy. He's got that New England Patriots mentality. we got Max Holloway to think about. We'll think about that other stuff later. All right, I got to get out of here. It's 9.15. I think we've heard from everybody here at some point. I know Brian and Raymond are hanging out, but I think we got to both of them. But I got to go. It's my 10th anniversary. Got to get this up on the podcast network, and I'm going to enjoy the rest of today off. I'm going to enjoy tomorrow off. I'll come back on Sunday for a little while, and I'm going to enjoy Memorial Day as well. Uh, spend some time with the fam and just uh, enjoy a weekend without the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Not that I, you know, we can't, sometimes it's okay to miss things before we get them back. You know what I mean? So thank you all for, for jumping in. You guys are tremendous as always. Another tremendous week of heck of a, of a morning is in the books. And thank you all for joining me. So I'll be back here on Tuesday, 8 a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. I'm sure we'll have lots to discuss, lots of news and notes. Hopefully it'll be a much busier week. And hopefully we're not talking about open scoring ad nauseum again. So thank you very much. I am Mike Heck. Have a great weekend. Have a heck of a Friday and have a heck of a morning, everybody. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.